Howdy, Howdy folks. folks. I'm Sarah Rose. And I'm Tammy. And we're here to talk to friends near and far about things they're doing to take matters into their own hands and do it themselves. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Dirty, Dirty Hands, Hands Podcast. Hi, Sarah Rose. Hi, Tammy. Here we are finally doing this thing. I know. We've been talking about it for quite a while. So, um, introductions first? Yes, absolutely. Okay. You go first. All right. I'm Tammy. And I am an attorney, farmer, mom, and grandma. I have a little five-acre farm where I garden. I have chickens, rabbits, ducks, goats. A dog. Dog and some cats. Uh, and I'm just in a space right now where I am trying to uh, learn to do things myself taking matters into my own hands and trying to learn all the granny skills that have been forgotten over time. <laughs> and what about you, Sarah Rose? Tell us about you. Well, um, I am obviously your good friend <laughs> and we've been friends for a long time. Um, I'm married to a caveman, an actual real caveman <laughs> living in 2022. Um, I have three dogs, and we have probably about an acre on our little permaculture yard um, area, um, and I don't really like getting my hands dirty, <laughs> but I love growing things, and I love cooking and making things. And we've been friends for all of this time, but I really feel like the last two years, we've kind of come together in a different way. Absolutely, because we get so excited about seeds and gardening and cooking. So where, where did it start for you as far as um, this need to uh, kind of do things yourselves, take matters into your own hands? Well, like most people during the pandemic, um, I really started to think about, you know, food supply and whether or not we would have food. So I started a little hobby farm and started growing things. And I just got really excited when things grew and I could eat them or drink them. <laughs> and I remember, especially like when you started your garden, you would post it. Well, you still do. You post pictures on Instagram and it would be like this lovely plate or bowl of food and everything from the bowl was from your garden mm -hmm. and it would be like this beautiful meal. Um, and I know that that was something that you were really passionate and, and proud of and you and should flowers be. too. And I, you know, I, that's what I love to grow things, see what I grew and share them. So I, I'm probably not the best homesteader because I should be hoarding a few more things, but, <laughs> but I, I do really enjoy it. And I can remember, um, I came over to your house for a gathering and you just had these simple vases on the table that had the dill bouquet, the mm -hmm. bouquet dill sprigs. All from and it, it was just so, you know, so pretty and so refreshing. Um, and, you know, just brought like coziness uh, into your home, things that you're bringing from the outside in. And I think that um, I had always had, you know, some kind of garden or farm uh, at my house when my kids were living at home, you know, we had horses and cows and uh, the whole nine yards. And then when everyone graduated, we sold all the animals mm. and, uh, you know, we just had the dogs and cats, no more chickens, no more goats. And then 
in 2020 uh, after I quit my job and decided to open my own business during a pandemic. Uh, I had a lot of time on my hands and then started being concerned about supply issues. And then slowly, I think I think chickens were the gateway for I both know. of us. Yeah, yeah. My husband ordered a box of chickens through the mail and that kind of started the whole thing. And I think I also got some chicks from a, a local farm. And then after chicks, it was goats uh, and all of the yoga studios. I'm also a yoga teacher. And when the yoga studios closed, I started bringing the yoga to my house. And so we would have yoga every Wednesday morning and every Sunday morning at the house. And I had these baby goats. And while I wasn't trying to do goat yoga, we had inadvertent <laughs> goat yoga because uh, the two little kids were very adept at getting out of uh, the fence and they would, they would join us for our outdoor yoga sessions. Um, who doesn't love, goat yoga? <laughs> but I think, uh, both you and I, over these last two years, we've become somewhat addicted to seeds. Wouldn't mm -hmm. you say definite a seed addiction for sure. <laughs> I, it, I get caught up by, especially Baker Creek. They have the most beautiful, it's the photos. It's the I photos. see the photos and I want to have that thing. I want to grow the flower. I want to eat the food. Exactly. And then I've also, uh, lately, I have been buying a lot of seeds from Southern Seed Exchange because they had a great, it's still on right now. If you're listening to this in September of 2022, um, a summer blowout sale where all of their seed packets are half off. It's $1.85 per seed packet. So wow. you should check that out. I think that my husband may like <laughs> put a uh, cap on seed spending for, me for a little while. But you also are saving seeds, right? Yes, I love saving seeds to try and get, you know, bigger, more beautiful, you know, crops and flowers. Um, so that's been kind of my little side project as well. Do you want to share your Instagram account? Rose Ridge Cedary. It's not very up to date, though, unfortunately. <laughs> but she does have some beautiful pictures of of her uh, her zinnias mm -hmm. drying for seeds and and some other beautiful things. So follow Rose Rich Cedary. Is that Rose Rich one word? Yes. Uh, Rose Rich Cedary Cedary on Instagram.com. Mm -hmm. uh, she she is a very good photographer in addition to being a good gardener. Oh goodness. One of the things that I remember most during the time when the the world was kind of shut down. Um, was hanging out over at your house one night. And I think it was me, you, John, and your neighbor. And um, wasn't Mike, neighbor? Mike, I think Mike came over. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, he came to have beers with us. Yeah, we yes. were sitting in her backyard drinking beer and she has these trellises and she was growing cucumbers. Mm -hmm. And as we were having our deep discussions- I actually grow pickles, not cucumbers. <laughs> Well, so, so tell us the distinction and then I'll finish my story. Well, I just grow them to make pickles with them. <laughs> you don't like cucumbers? I will eat some of them as cucumbers, but mostly it's to make pickles. Pickles bring people joy. Peoples do pick, <laughs> pickles <laughs> do bring people joy. Uh, it's funny, we were talking earlier. Uh, we have very different ideas about the reasons why we're doing things. And for me, 
I'm absolutely preparing for the apocalypse. <laughs> yes, you definitely are. And you're way more prepared than me. So, uh, yeah. I'll, well, I, I'll be able to take care of you. Well, hopefully, <laughs> if all your kids don't come home. <laughs> so, so Sarah Rose and I, we have had some canning sessions together, um, some some pickle pickle making sessions. And I... And some happy hours. <laughs> we have. Uh, I am stockpiling cans and jars and uh you're dehydrating every day fermenting every day and trying to figure out storage solutions to keep all of the things that i'm canning and sarah rose is making bringing joy into the world by sharing her pickles (laughs) with people far and wide Mm -hmm. i just give everything away my husband uh is not a fan he (laughs) believes that we should be storing the food and preparing as you guys are but well, and I hope to have John as a guest on our podcast. Yes, here he soon. would love that. He would. He loves to talk about himself. So. <laughs> well, he he's a very uh, Renaissance man. He has yes. a lot of a lot of skills. <laughs> a Renaissance caveman. Sh- sh- a Renaissance caveman. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I love it. Yes. Um, that's how we'll introduce him mm-hmm. when he comes on the podcast. Yes, it's perfect. Uh, so to finish the story, we were sitting on your patio, and I don't remember which one of it, when, which one of us it was. Uh, but one of us noticed that the cucumbers or her pickle plants were <laughs> literally reaching out for the trellis. Yes. And it was so cool. It yeah. was right at like dusk too. And as we were having conversation, after a few minutes of conversation, we would look over and you would just see this little tendril reaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, Almost like it was just like waving at the trellis <laughs> to try to catch. And I think it, by the end of our happy hour it had actually reached out and and caught the trellis and it was one of those moments that i look back and just wondering at the the magic of nature Mm -hmm. and i i have found a lot of solace in the last two years during all of the crazy times that we've had just sitting in my garden absolutely i think i completely uh survived COVID by being in the garden. That's the only thing I could do when I was really sick. I would sit out in the garden or I'd plant things or water or whatever, just whatever little energy I had, I could go and get from the garden. And I am an advocate for everyone having a chair or chairs Mm -hmm. in their garden so that you have a space where you can just sit and be and wonder at all of the things that are growing around you um, and not use it as a time to notice every weed or, (laughs) but I, in the evening time, like I'll take my glass of wine out to the garden and just sit and have that kind of wind down at the end of the day in the garden. And there is a saying that goes, uh, I believe it's something like the best medicine for the garden is the shadow of the gardener. So just spending that that time, spending that time in the garden, uh, you become acquainted with what's happening there and uh, you form a relationship so that you know when the garden is in need. And I talk to my plant babies. What do you tell them? I just talk to them. Like I, I call them my little babies (laughs) and I say hello to them. And I, I guess I kind of talk to them like I talk to my dogs. So what are <laughs> like mommy's here to water you today? <laughs> so here it is September. It's been really hot. And I don't know, you're near the river. My 
garden is completely flooded right now. Um, we've had rain, 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 rain. So my garden is in desperate need of attention. But tell us what you're growing right now, Saros. Well, um, luckily, my beds are all were all ready to be planted last week. So I put in cucumbers, kale, um, tom thumb lettuce because you know who doesn't like adorable small heads of lettuce. <laughs> Um, and, uh, collard greens for dog food. Oh, nice. Yep. So I've got sprouts on my, on my pickles slash cucumbers and and so far nothing else has sprouted, but I think it's just so swampy and humid that it might take another week or so. So I still have a lot of summer crops still growing. Um, I had planted a lot of peppers, so I'm still harvesting peppers every week to dehydrate and make different uh, spice blends and pepper powder from I have uh, butterfly pea flour, Malabar spinach, because once you plant oh. Malabar spinach, you will always have Malabar spinach. I, Malabar spinach and sweet potatoes. <laughs> I, I do have my sweet potatoes growing. I got some starts from a friend in exchange for doing a yoga class at his farm. Oh, so nice, nice. I have some purple and some white sweet potato that they've taken off and they're growing like crazy. I'm growing okra. Oh, I hate <laughs> okra so much. I'm a fan of okra and it's beautiful flower, terrible food. So I have three kinds of okra growing. I have your regular Clemson spineless, which is the green that you normally think of, but I have a beautiful orange jing, I think it's called. And it has um, a, an orange pod and then a burgundy okra that has a really pretty dark red burgundy pod and so i've been once you grow okra uh you have to keep up with the okra so i'm trying to find all kinds of new ways to eat the okra last year i pickled a ton of okra this year i tried to make some okra chips in the dehydrator Uh, i'm not a huge fan of the okra chips but it was it was a valiant effort i think i can dehydrate the okra to then rehydrate for stews and things like that later on. Um, Not like I need to do that because the okra here, we're in central Florida, will be growing probably through November or December. Forever. (laughs) It'll grow forever. Let's see. What else do I have? And I hate okra. Do you know why I hate okra? Why do you hate okra? Because my very first garden, (laughs) um, that was all we could get to grow that very first, uh, season in 2020 and we grew so much okra i just can't eat it anymore <laughs> i started growing sunchokes this year okay have you have you ever eaten or used sunchokes no so it's another plant where every part of the plant is edible as i understand uh and it's a tuber so it grows like a potato and but it has yellow flowers that look kind of like sunflowers oh wow i think you would really enjoy growing it well you'll have to make me some and i'll try it <laughs> So I started some sun chokes, and so those are coming up nicely. I still have some mustard greens and some collards growing. I have pickles. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, I had some some little volunteer cucumbers that came back up, and they already have some little, um, little pickles growing on them. And let's see. Oh, I ha- I'm growing the Asian wing beans again this oh, year. Oh, wow. Yeah, I had only a few that took on those, but they're really cool. It's another plant where every part of the plant is edible. You can use the leaves. Uh, you can stew them like a sauteed spinach, or you can use them in salad. And then they have a nice frilly, frilly bean. 
Uh, and then I'm also growing, I have lots of eggplant. Do you like eggplant? I'm not into it. <laughs> no, not a fan. So that's one of the ways that we are getting our hands dirty. We also took up, I had never canned before we started canning at your house. Right. And you are like a canning pro now. <laughs> now I'm foraging for things to can. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so right now here in central Florida, we have beautyberry that's growing and it, it's a I would say it's probably an invasive invasive species. It just grows everywhere in blighted areas along the sides of the roads, but it's beautiful. It has these uh, bright purple uh, berries and you can um, take the leaves and rub the leaves on your skin. It's a mosquito repellent. Have you oh, ever wow. tried that? I haven't. Did, have you tried it? It, it does. Works. It absolutely does work. Oh my goodness. And I, I love a mosquito repellent that doesn't smell like mosquito repellent. <laughs> So you can also take the leaves and you can make a tincture with them or like a spray. I would probably like decant them in like some alcohol mm -hmm. and then dilute that. And you could actually make a, a spray, a spray. A, wow. for when you're sitting out on the patio to keep keep the mosquitoes yeah. away. Now, do the actual plants growing out of the ground also repel mosquitoes hmm. or do, is it just the leaf when you break it open? I think it's probably the oil from the leaf when you when you open it up in that leaf. Okay. I, I don't know because I haven't, I haven't noticed mosquitoes. When I, I was mowing around the beautyberry, we have a big beautyberry bush that grew up in our yard. And so I was mowing around that yesterday and there was wasps, but I didn't notice any mosquitoes. Oh, interesting. Um, and then I also have been foraging for uh, muscadine grapes. Very cool. So I'm just working on getting enough to make a nice batch of jelly. <laughs> Very cool. You so can also make wine. Spencer, I went out with my son and his family last night and he did say that he wanted to make some muscadine wine, but I understand that you're not a fan. I have tried it. It's just a little bit too sweet for me. <laughs> Not my favorite. So those are some of the ways that we're getting our hands dirty. And we want to hear from you about things that you want to learn about. You can connect with us on our website, dirtyhands.com, or on Instagram at dirtyhandspodcast, and or send us a message. Yeah, That's dirtyhandspodcast.com. And then Instagram, Dirty Hands Podcast, no spaces. We'd love to hear from you. So on this podcast, every week we'll be asking our friends a couple of questions. What are you eating? What are you drinking? And digging into the central question, how, how do you, you like, like to, to get, get your, your hands, hands dirty? dirty? So for our first episode, I thought I would interview you, Sarah Rose. What? Why would you want to interview <laughs> me? That's crazy. So how are you getting your hands dirty? What is something that you have decided to take into your own hands and to do it yourself? Well, one of the things that I do myself that I have been doing myself for probably about seven years now is um, making my own dog food. What got you started with the idea of making your own dog food? Well, first I had actually seen um, a lot of recalls on dog foods that I was buying my dogs and that always made me worry about uh what brand I was feeding them because I would I would try all the different you know specialized brands because you know obviously we love our dogs they're like family and um I wanted to make sure that they had good food um but it seemed like you know this week or that week something would get recalled 
And that always had been in the back of my head. Well, my sweet uh, Doberman, Zeus Springsteen, rest his soul, um, was diagnosed with cancer when he was about 10 years old. And he was like your best buddy. He was my partner. He was my best friend. I miss him so much. Every um, time I would see you out, Zeus Springsteen was always there yes, with you. <laughs> yes, he went everywhere with me, my 115 pounds uh, <laughs> emotional support dog. <laughs> but yeah, so he was diagnosed with cancer and wobbler syndrome at the same time. What is wobbler syndrome? Um, wobbler syndrome, and I'm not a vet. I'll just tell everybody right <laughs> now. Um, wobbler syndrome is a degenerative spinal disease that affects bigger, larger dogs like Doberman okay. or Great Danes, uh, Wolfhounds, those kinds of dogs. Um, and it, it's painful. It causes pain in their, in their whole entire spine, um, and their hips and their joint, you know, it's just painful. Um, and so inflammation, which is something we hear about in our foods as well is, uh, was something we wanted to avoid. And so he went on some medication, but then I just decided to try and make his food. And, you know, we have, we always have three dogs. <laughs> it's our lucky it's magic number. number. And um, and so we had my husband's lab, Chad, and our Dalmatian, Rosie, and everyone started eating the homemade food. And I just noticed, um, you know, they were healthier, they're happier, they play more, they don't have bad breath. Um, you know, uh, their blood work is excellent when we go to the vet every year, even though the vet uh, tells me that I shouldn't feed them homemade food, that I should feed them the expensive food that they sell. That's funny um, because if you think about what's in the ingredients list in any bag of regular dog food that you would pick up at the store, even even like the more expensive brands like the Imes or, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know the expensive brands that, you know, Purina One or whatever, you know, it's corn. Or crude protein, which is like derivative of who knows what. You know, it's some derivative of protein. But, you know, my dogs are getting homemade, fresh food that I know exactly where it came from. Some of it I've grown myself, you know, and I, it's, I don't have to worry about some person in a dog food factory accidentally, you know, exposing, you know, this piece of dog food to... E. coli or Listeria or any kind of, you know, uh, contaminant. Um, well, if the dogs were in the wild, they wouldn't be eating corn. Exactly. They wouldn't be eating grains. Exactly. That's not their their natural diet that, that they well, would be eating in the wild. Eat, they would eat some grains. So I feed grain in my food, mm -hmm. but not, um, you, you know, you're not going to get white rice or anything that's like lacking nutrients and only carbohydrates right. or whatever. Um so, you know, in, in, in the wild, you know, they don't get to take vitamins and supplements. They don't take medications and things like that. So, um, obviously I would tell anyone who was going on this adventure to check with their veterinarian and get advice, but your veterinarian is probably going to deter you from doing this. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, Zeus made it to, 13 and a half years old with cancer. Um, and uh, he was happy and thriving as best as an old dog can until the day before we had to make the hardest decision we had to make. So, um, you know, I really do feel like it's a, a 
a healthy way to take care of your pets. And if you have time to do it and the means to do it, you know, I'm all for it. Well, I know I have a golden retriever, Blueberry. I love Barry. Call Barry. He is he is a very he's the sweetest dog in the world. Um but he is not the most pleasant smelling dog in the world. Mm-hmm. And for a while he started smelling like Cheetos. Mm. Not a not a good Cheeto way. feet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I the first thing that I thought about well the first thing that I did was start bathing him more, but it as soon as I would dry him, he would still smell like Cheetos. So the first thing that I thought was to change his diet. So I did switch him from, you know, a regular grain based um, dog food to a grain free dog food. And it it was amazing how quickly he He stopped stopped smelling like Cheetos. Um, And, you know, the great, the thing, one of my concerns, and this is something we'll talk about in a little bit with pet food in general, is we keep hearing about supply chain issues. Mm. The price of the grain-free dog food. I mean, he's been eating grain-free dog food for probably about six months. And when I first started buying the grain-free bag of food, it was about $28, $28.99. So right around right. $30 for, you know, the big bag of food. Um, we went to Tractor Supply last night and bought a bag $45.99. Oh, my goodness. That's how much the, the prices have increased. Uh, so, you know, that's a, another consideration for... I think people to consider, you know, is, is it going to be sustainable to continue, you know, feeding your pets, you know, commercially made food, if there's concerns about, you know, it being available supply. So I think all of us are going to have to start to think about ways, not just for dogs, but for me, I'm looking at ways that I can feed my chickens, that I can feed my goats without having to rely on tractor supply or, you know, the Amazon. Exactly. Right. Right. So tell us a little bit about, um, what's, what do what do they, what do your dogs get to eat? What's your recipe? Well, now, um, we still have three dogs, um, two Doberans and, and our Dalmatian. So you have Odin, Odin and Ruby, Ruby and Rosie, <laughs> and they eat, um, uh, mostly homemade. We took one year off for when Ruby was a puppy, we, um, we uh fed regular dog food because she had to eat puppy food and to switch it was just unfair to watch her watch the other two dogs get (laughs) the homemade food so we did a year of that and now we're back on our homemade food and um i do it mostly on sunday i will make a giant pot of food and uh you know the pot that i cook the food in if i make it um as efficiently as I can, it's about 26 servings of food for each of my dogs at their weight. And you have to do the research to figure out how many calories your dog needs by weight. Um, but I basically, um, you know, have been doing it so long. I've got the portion sizes down for my dogs, but it's different for every dog, depending on like what breed age and weight they are. So, but all that information is really easy to find online. Um, And I just start out with um, some sort of protein, almost always um, chicken, turkey, or something lean, salmon. Um, And you can can use all kinds of stuff. I, I never use pork, and I use beef 
not often. Um, if I do use beef, I will use beef heart. Um, I use a lot of chicken heart in, um, in my dog food as well. And um, I usually add a grain like farro or barley and uh, lentils and plenty of green vegetables. Do you ever add like sweet potatoes? I do. I do. Depending on how many we've grown, um, I will throw sweet potatoes in there or sometimes I'll, I'll just mix up the recipe and get some sweet potatoes in there. They have a lot of sugar though, so I don't okay. put too much sugar in there. I also do blueberries quite a bit. Okay. I, I, yeah, I think I have seen blueberries on some of your Instagram mm -hmm. photos. Yeah, they love blueberries. So why not pork? Um, pork is a little bit uh, more fatty and that if you feed them too fat rich uh, protein, um, their stomachs get upset and they'll throw up. Like if you, you know, leave your bacon grease on the counter and your dog licks it off the plate or the pan, they'll almost inevitably throw up. And I imagine that that could also cause some like long-term, you know, well, and you know, it also causes problems at the other end. <laughs> so you don't want that in your house either. So Sarah's, you said that uh, you like to use beef hearts uh, or other organ meats and things like that in your dog food. Now that's something that at the normal grocery store, I don't normally see on the grocery store shelves. So how are you sourcing those proteins? Well, funny enough, um, they actually have it out on the display shelves at Publix fairly often. But if not, you can ask any butcher, any grocery store um, or your local butcher shop. I go to our local butcher shop, actually, um, to get my beef heart. And if you ask nicely, they'll even grind it for you, which makes it a lot less gross to deal with. It's got a very strong smell, but um, the dogs love it and it's really, really good for them. Um I also sometimes will um, just go to Aldi or whatever store you go to, get the giant pack of chicken thighs with the bones in and the skin on, and I will boil them uh, in a big pot of water and simmer and until the bones fall right out of the chicken um, so that all that bone marrow and collagen goes into the bone broth that's cooking with the chicken and the chicken um, skin and I'll just make sure I count how many I put in there to begin with and pull out the bone, the cooked bones, um, before I add in the other ingredients to, to the feed. And then they get all of that richness from the bone broth, this fat from the skin, you know, and the actual protein from the meat itself. So, so how are you storing it? Um, because this is their food for the entire week. How are you storing it to keep it for for them all week long? So when I am when it's just me and my husband, um, you know, <laughs> we actually just put the gigantic pot of food in the fridge and pull it out and scoop out the servings for our dogs. Um, but when we go out of town or um, if you know I have a training somewhere or some somewhere where someone else might have to take care of our dogs, I'll portion it in. Um, either like reusable sandwich bags or containers and either freeze it or keep it in the fridge, depending on how long it keeps for about six days um, in the refrigerator. So, uh, you know, if it's going to be longer than that, I'll freeze portion, I'll freeze individual portions of it. Do you taste it? I don't, but John eats it all the time. <laughs> 
he will come into the kitchen and he will smell the dog food and he thinks it's for him and he cannot help himself and he gets himself a giant pile of it. I mean, it and actually he says it's delicious. It doesn't have any spices or flavors in it. It's just just food, but he loves it. You also do bone broth too for I yourself. Do. I do. So, um, have you? Do you? Where do you source uh, the meat and the bones that you use for your bone broth? Funny that you should mention that because one of the main places I would get um, my bones for bone broth um, uh, is Ricardo from Noble Roots, who I hope we get to talk to on our podcast. Yeah, when we were brainstorming for people who we can talk to. Ricardo was definitely one of the people that, we, that came we to mind. We have to ask him, but I think he'll do it. <laughs> I think he'll do it. Mm -hmm. But I would get a lot of bones from him. Um, he'll sell you um, a bag of frozen bones, and it's, you know, cow knees and um, joints and bones that ha are full of marrow and have all of the collagen that you would need. And then I just, you know, take it. Sometimes I cook it for two days. Um, depending on how big the bone is, you might have to cook it that long mm -hmm. to get all the good stuff out. And then I just uh, freeze it. Uh, what temperature are you cooking? Are you cooking it on for the bone broth? Oh my gosh, you would ask me that. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I mean, are you just cooking it low setting for a long period of you time? Bring it to a boil, and then you keep it on simmer for a long period of time, and then you have to continuously add water. Okay, because it just <clears throat> reduces and reduces and reduces to all that really good liquid gelatinous that you want. Yes. yes yes so I've, I've made bone broth the last the last place that i got counties was from a very cute cowboy Ooh. at um an outdoor market in sanford well we'll have to go there <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to take Haley. <laughs> definitely it sounds like a plan um okay so now you guys are also responsible for some other animals correct Yes, we are. We have, um, my husband's an ag teacher, so he has a mass of rabbits at his school farm, and um, he decided to bring home ducks this past <laughs> summer. What so are the ducks' names? We have two ducks. They are, oh my goodness. I don't remember their names, like foul. Oat, I don't remember. Yeah, it's it, there. It's really something like foul really and juvenile. stench or something yes, like that. Yes, this okay. are my foul odor and stench. Odor and is, stench. That's what he's called them. <laughs> the dogs are cute though, and um, they swim around in their little pond all day, and that's pretty much all they do. Uh, so and are, we have a fish. You Henry. have a fish. We have Henry the fish that lives in the wall. Oh, okay. <laughs> remember him? Yes. Um, so are you? Uh, are you thinking about? Uh, feeding those your other animals that you're responsible for uh, from your own hands? Currently, I'm not thinking about that. <laughs> I'm sure John would love it if I would make everyone's food all the time. But since, you know, I have a job and um, other things in the works, uh, yes, I don't, I don't make the other one's foods. But we could. I mean, all of the food that we have access to in general as people is – the same food that animals would eat. I mean, animals are have been on the earth way longer than we have, and they can survive in conditions that we could never survive in. So, I mean, we have access to food that could feed any animal. So on our farm, we raise meat rabbits. We raise Californians. And um, so 
feeding them sustainably is something that I have been concerned about. <clears throat> and so I've looked at uh, different things that I can grow in order to feed them. And every single day, I mean, they, they do get a ration of <clears throat> their alfalfa pellets, their, their rabbit pellets. But I also make sure that every day they do get fresh, something fresh from the garden. Uh, Tithonia or Mexican sunflower, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Mexican sunflower, it, it kind of grows wild in a lot of places. It has a really big, pretty yellow flower. The Tithonia is, the leaves are a complete food for rabbits. Yes, John grows it in his school garden and feeds so, his with it. So yeah, I'm growing that out of my garden and it forms a huge wall. It's taller than me, but every day I go and, and get some of the Tithonia for the rabbits. So that's one of the things that I'm doing to try to, you know, be self-reliant and, and self-sustaining as far as being able to feed the animals on my farm. Um, the chickens, I did start trying to do, what is it called? Um, I was it, basically microgreens for the chickens, mm -hmm. forage. Uh, it didn't work out fodder. so well. Fodder. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I knew it was an F word. <laughs> <laughs> and not the one you're thinking. Um, but I, I did try that for a little while. I just have too many chickens to be able to sustain yeah, fodder right lot. now. Um, but we have to take such good care of microgreens too. <laughs> it's so it's, it's hard to maintain. So, but, um, the, the fodder mixture that I was using, um, that I would use because I am, you know, storing and stockpiling, uh, some foods for the apocalypse. Um, so, uh, lentils, split peas, barley. Mm -hmm. So some of the same things that your dogs are getting. Absolutely. The, the Absolutely. chickens would get in their fodder. The majority of the greens I grow are for the dogs. The, speaking of greens, um, I'm trying to, right now, I have some silage tarps out in the back, the back pasture and I'm preparing those beds. So I have uh, bill, billboards. There are old vinyl billboards that have come down and they're probably 40 feet wide by 20 feet across. And so I put those down to kill the grass. And then um, I pull that up and then I plant in that space. I'm planting like cowpeas or other mm -hmm. nitrogen fixing cover crops. And so like the last couple of weeks, the cowpeas, I've been able to, to start harvesting the cowpeas. Um, but my plan for those spaces that I'm putting out there in the back 40 is to grow turnips for, um, I, she's making a face. Ugh. I love turnips. I she's not a turnips. fan of turnips. Turnips are a very sustainable food because we can eat them. They have lots of starches oh. in, in that turnip root, but then also the greens are good, but I am looking to grow them for the goats oh, as part of good. their fodder. Yeah. And yeah. then also the chickens will eat the greens. Goats don't have as sophisticated as a palate <laughs> as, as I do. No. <laughs> um, so uh, as far as, yeah, as far as um, making food for your pets, what do you have any advice that you would give for the people who are listening? Um, watch their poops. That's my best <laughs> advice when it comes to your dogs in general is watch when they go to the bathroom, like, does it look healthy and normal? Um, are they drinking water? I noticed that my dogs don't drink nearly as much water when they're eating uh, homemade food as they do when they eat uh, dry food. Um, 
you know, and I'm not, uh, I'm not dogging on the vet or anything, you know, they'll tell you, like I said, not to cook your dog's food or not to do it every day, that they need certain nutrients and minerals that are in the dog food you buy. Um, but I just haven't in, in my own dogs and, you know, this is my second pack of homemade feeding. Um, you know, I haven't noticed anything negative or detrimental on their health. If, if anything, their health is improved. No. And they having, having seen them over the years, they always have shiny coats, bright eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, they Thank appear, you. yes, appear very, very healthy. Uh, and you know, we're not telling you that these, this is the only way to, to do this. There no. are many ways to skin a cat. Um, please don't ever think that we're trying to preach. We're just having a conversation with people who are out there doing things themselves um, so that we can learn and, and, and start to try to do things uh, to make ourselves more self-reliant and not to have to rely on the government or just to have fun. Right. Exactly. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> so uh, some of the things that we have planned uh, for conversations coming up in the future, we have a friend that has a, a, a nursery and farm and he's a, a food forester. So lots of permaculture ideas. We definitely want to talk to um, Jennifer about pantry facials. Yes. How, how to pull things out of your own pantry uh, to improve your skin and hair. I hope there's no barbecue sauce. <laughs> um, also, we're going to talk to our friend Mark about making pasta. Now, that's a great way to get your hands oh, dirty. Yes, that's right my there in favorite the dough. way. And speaking of dough, our friend Joe hopefully well, will come to talk to us about dough. <laughs> dough. Absolutely. So we have a lot of good things lined up. Yeah. So until next time, get out there and get your hands dirty. And we'll keep digging for more ways you can do, do it, it yourself. yourself.